Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cantina MX Football Podcast, episode 322. We got some match week four results that were pretty upsetting. We had Rayados already crash out of the Club World Cup. Some musical chairs already in Liga MX with the coaching carousel. And JJ Mack is back, ladies and gentlemen. But before going any further, let me welcome my boy, Joel. Joel, how we doing? Actually, glad to have JJ Mack return to the goats. I think it took longer, longer than it should have. I'm guessing he didn't. You know, he was trying to find. He was trying to find perhaps another club abroad. But you know, with no guarantees, you can't be wasting another year, half a year. So I think he did the right thing. Yeah, I think it was such a tough decision, you know, especially when they're only giving him a measly $1.7 million. (laughs) (laughs) Pobrecito, he returns to Guadalajara. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the sacrifice, you know, the the, um, that players when they go abroad, that's one of the main sacrifices, their wages, because a lot of these clubs, they pay pretty, you know, they, they, they're pretty measly when it comes to to pain. And we don't really hear about it a lot, but there's a, you know, huge number of players that have gone on loan and then they just get discarded because, again, they're just on loan. <clears throat> and there's a lot of players like that. A lot of them end up you know, coming to Liga MX. And similar to JJ Mack, it's not because they weren't good. It's just, it's, it can just be random, you know? Yeah, well, if we look at his trajectory, I mean, again, we criticize him on the podcast time and time again. He decided to skip the Olympics in pursuit of his dream of, of going to abroad, going to the Getafe. He said he'd rather, you know, have a preseason and and do all that process with, with Getafe than, than to play for the national team in the Olympics. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he chose the wrong gamble. Unfortunately, he got injured when he was out there. That's why he didn't play much. And, uh, you know, after half a season there, they were already looking to get rid of him. And I believe... You know, Chivas were sitting on two offers, but there's no better offer than getting your number nine back, especially with the team struggling with goals and a striker. So, I mean, it made sense for him to uh, to come back. And, you know, his, his Instagram post was quite uh, humbling. It seemed like, uh, you know, he comes back with his tail between his legs, but also, you know, understanding that he... Uh, he shouldn't have looked at Chivas as a, you know, as a stepping stone. I think he failed to uh, solidify himself with the team before going, and now he has the opportunity to uh, come back and and see if he can fit back into the squad. He's already ruled out for tomorrow's match against Juarez and the uh, Saturday game against Tigres, so we won't see him this weekend. But I mean, it's it's basically like a 
an adrenaline shot, man. Because if he gets on the on flying start and he starts scoring goals, not only uh, you know is that going to be good for us, but I mean potentially he could squeeze into the World Cup. I, I'm being serious, man. No, yeah, he definitely has, and he's been called up before, so it's it's not like he's not on the radar. And uh, I I agree with the whole stepping stone, but I think a big part of it was just because of how the club has handled players before, where I think there's not much trust that you know they're gonna they're gonna be on your side. Yeah. So while the Hado actually. The only team uh, that didn't play this weekend because it was apparently too cold and uh, they had to reschedule the match. So they're actually going to play their game uh, tomorrow at five o'clock in La Ciudad of Juarez. You know, Chivas actually offered to play the game at Guadalajara, but Juarez said no. So, I, I, you know, is this a money-driven decision because they know that Chivas, you know, fill up those seats and and get those ticket sales in? I, I personally don't think that that game was gonna be too cold. I mean, Chivas have played in Toronto and in, in pretty cold weather for the uh, Concacaf Champions League. So, and we just saw the men's national team play a, a, a you know, a qualifying match over there in Minnesota against Honduras. So. I mean, I, I personally thought, you know, they should have went on with the match. Um, I mean, these guys are professionals. They're used to playing in the elements. But I, I guess this was, like, more of a money-driven decision because they knew fans wouldn't show up to the game. Well, I mean, not if... Because the game was going to be in Juarez, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if Chivas is the ones that called... A petition, you know, to have the game postponed. Uh, I don't. I, I don't think it was Chivas, man. Oh, you think it was Juarez that postponed it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so. Home field advantage and all of that. I guess if he felt, if then the Stuka right there as coach, if he felt conditions weren't right, I really can't blame him. But I, I think she was draws regardless. Yeah. I mean, we saw, I saw a few matches this weekend and it was pouring rain and the fans weren't even wearing shirts. So I know snow's a little bit different, but um, I think it was just, I, I, so like, I absolutely love like seeing games in the snow. I, I just, I just find them attractive and, and exciting to watch and never in my mind, would I ever thought I'd see a, a game in Mexico in, in the snow? You know, usually that's like reserved for like England and Bundesliga and stuff like that. With the, with so, the orange soccer ball. I was looking forward to seeing that. And, you know, for some reason they just didn't want to go through with it. And I'll, I'll be honest, the, the pitches out in Mexico are not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not like top class pitches. Like when it rains, usually there's like huge puddles and stuff. So, they just don't have like the drainage. I don't know if like for the snow, they just were not expecting it or they weren't ready for it, but whatever the case may be, you know, uh, a missed opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Oh, I missed opportunity to play in the snow. <laughs> yeah, I I think it would have been cool. But uh, moving on, you know, since Chivas didn't play this weekend, we have a lot more stuff <laughs> that's been going on around the league, starting with Necaxa. They were actually the first team uh, to play, Jornada Cuatro, and uh, they ended up losing to Pachuca. And check this out, Pachuca was down a man for since the 21st minute, and they just went in and, and uh, just took over the match. Despite being a man down, they beat uh, they beat Necaxa three one, and uh, we have our first coach that has been fired. It only took four matches, and uh, Necaxa has already replaced their coach with Jimmy Lozano. What are your thoughts on that? It's it's gonna be interesting to see how well he does. I know. He was getting a lot of, um, you know, people wanted him for for Chivas. They wanted him for the Selección because of what he did in the Olympics, with the, you know, helping the team win the bronze. So it's going to be interesting to see what he what he does at Necaxa and what he shows. You know, in in the past, when we have had coaches that that were successful at the youth level, a lot of them just it didn't translate back with the team. So I hope that's not the case. Yeah. <clears throat> I yeah. With Jimmy Lozano. Well, oh, go ahead. No, just really quick and it's good to have another Mexican coach because there's almost none. So it's it's good to have another one in the mix and of course I always root for these coaches to do well. Yeah, there was a lot of hype on Jimmy Lozano after his Olympic run with Mexico, and they're already ready to put him in the, the national team spot. And obviously Chivas, because we were looking for a coach at the time. And I and was because the, the players, the players that were with him. Yeah, he he knew how to utilize Antuna. He you knew how to utilize Vega. He knew how to use our players better than Vucetic. And you know, you know Vucetic. I remember they asked him at a press conference, like, "Oh, did you take any advice from Jimmy?" You know, <laughs> like, like, bitch, I'm the one that like taught Jimmy everything he knows at Querétaro. So I don't know why I would ask him for advice. And uh... yeah. <laughs> Well, and that was the, my also my argument too was that one thing is playing against youth teams, and another against experienced players. So, for me, it's the club has always been more difficult than any youth tournament. Yeah, and I, I it just baffles me that people are already ready to give someone that does not deserve it. Like the job, like, no, this, this is disrespectful to anyone that's let's doing it right now. You know, it's like, this guy has no, no experience. He did have a season at Querétaro in 2017 and, and that's been about it. So we'll see how it goes yeah. for him and Nikaxa. It's, it's tight. It's quite a tall order, man. I mean, Nikaxa, they're, they're not the best team. They don't have the best players. Um, and 50% ownership is, you know, from Americans and celebrities. So, you know, they're really expecting things to, to turn around. They got three points in four matches. 
And surprisingly, they're in 14th position with those kind of points. So, Yeah, well, let's see. Let's see what Jimmy has in store for us. Um, and I hope he gets the chance to to prove himself, not just gets booted midway through the season. You know, sometimes it takes takes a while. Um, I just and I don't think Nikaxa's in that much of a hurry. And it's not like they have a championship caliber team. So I think they just they just don't want to be as bad as they were. <laughs> yeah, but, they did pick up uh, Nico Castillo, you know, from America. So they do have you know quite a big name there. Uh, they also have the uh, the guy that we kicked out of Chivas, Detier Villalpando. So you know they have well, they have a few few players. Well, I was trying to um, let me see because I had um, we have this one guy right here that that is right now he's on the he's he's in the he's in the spotlight. And that's uh, Puebla's coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, very young guy, too. He's like 37, I think. Maybe younger. But um, he's, yeah, head of Puebla. And his name's Nicolás Larcamón. And there's already people calling him for the national team. And I think it's a bit premature. Mm-hmm. I think he came last season, if I'm not mistaken. But some of his numbers... 18 games, so I'm guessing these are from last season. Nine wins, six draws, and three defeats. And he's won a good chunk of them on the road. And uh, this guy is just calling attention, you know? Nicolás Larcamón? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people are... are, Certain parts of the media are already, you know, because how the team plays, that they win on the road, and uh, some of them are pushing him for, like, like if Tata gets booted, this guy should take it a look, which I don't think would happen, just simply because we've said it before how FMF operates. Um, I do think he would have to win the league, so he's thirty-seven right now fairly young. He started at 31. But I wanted to, like, point something out um, because I, I, I see this, uh, I would say, maybe hypocrisy uh, in the league. So, for the for the mix coaches starting out, I think the fans are, even the media can be pretty harsh. And then even sometimes when they do good, they'll still be more critical. Um because this guy is getting high praise, but we see how he started. So he started 2016, 2017 in Deportivo Anzoategui, which is a Venezuelan club. So, I mean, this is in Argentina, you're in South America. To go from Argentina to Venezuela, that's like, you know, a Mexican coach going from Liga MX to like El Salvador. Yeah. And and we know if that happened, all the criticisms would come in, you know, 
that he's going backwards and whatnot. But this guy started there and he coached. Um, let me see. He coached, I believe, two teams. He coached no, the other teams in Chile, uh, Deportivo Antofagasta. They're in. Uh, they're, oh, they're Chilean. They're in Chile. They're in Chile. Oh, yeah, they're right. Chile, and then he went to. Huachipato. Huachipato, also Chilean. And then <laughs> they got their badge is like the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Curico, I can't even say this name. Curico Unido. Curico Unido. Which, which is um, they're Chilean. Where are they from? Man, we Chile. Heard of this team, three Chilean teams. Uh, so I mean, he did improve as far as going from. Venezuela to Chile, but even at Chile, he wasn't exactly coaching their top teams. But he had a good run in each of his team, so he's shown he consistency. And then he arrives to Puebla, and he's having just a great, you know, he's just been doing really good. Um, he's gotten more praise even than um, Liliani, because when Liliani took over Pumas, right? Uh, it was the talk was that Pumas was just getting lucky. <laughs> that was the the whole, you know, that that wasn't the real Pumas, and and that you know, and then they end up going all the way to the final. And then the the next season, they they kind of dismantle the team. Pumas does horrible, and then people were like, "See, we told you." But then after that, they bounced back, and they've been pretty decent. Provided, I'm, yeah, I've been looking at his numbers at uh at Puebla. He has forty five matches, twenty wins, fourteen draws, eleven losses, um, averaging one point six four points per game. And if you don't remember, he did beat us in uh, repechaje. Then he goes to oh, yeah, he goes he goes <laughs> and. Uh, they lose to Leon um, in the quarterfinals, and then they also um, they also went to the semifinals earlier uh, in 2021, and they ended up losing to Santos. Yeah. So I mean, he's getting them into Liguilla. He's he's getting them. I mean, right now they're in first place. So it's it's <laughs> this is this is amazing, and this is after you know Puebla losing their their top goal scorer Ormeño. So. I mean, this is right. this is crazy, man. This is who's now a Peruvian in, international. I'm gonna start calling him the Alchemist, dude. This guy is making making gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, but you know, let's not forget he had to go. You know, he had to go to the to the small leagues and to the small teams uh, to get to get a chance and to to you know to to find work. So he made it to, to Liga MX. Um, and so I think when we see our coaches doing that, and we see that we're very critical, you know, and we'll just like not be that supportive. And so I think that's a lot of times what you have to do as, as this dude is showing, you know, because instead of hanging around in Argentina, trying to see where he could land the team or just being a, uh, assistant or whatnot, he he went to you know, he went to where he could find work. That's why I'm very hopeful for coaches like Gonzo, who's in MLS, 
Um, <laughs> which um, we have to talk about that in a second, but yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, coaches like him, and, and then there's others that have gone to like Guatemala. Um, I know Cardoso, I'm calling him as Mexican because he's, he's been in Mexico for so long. But I mean, I know there's other Mexican coaches, Mexican nationals, uh, also in Guate. And, and of course, um, Stena, right? Stena took over Guatemala national team. And I know there was a lot of like criticism on that, but I'm like, he could potentially lead them to the World Cup because obviously not this one, but next World Cup, uh, the region is still getting three spots and the three biggest teams already in. Are, are they're not going to be yeah they're in they're, they're the host and they're not going to be part of the qualifiers so that's that's a great opportunity and for him to to do that it'll be historic because that'll be the first time that team you know makes it to uh to the world cup and and i think if they let him work he obviously has the experience and and you know i i think he can do it um it's just, it's just you know some of these Central American uh, federations. They're like, they're like Mexico in the in the nineties. The <laughs> yeah. They were quick to sack the coach, or very impatient. Uh, I know there's a lot of infighting. Uh, it's just too much. I remember Honduras sacked. They had Bora Milutinovic, and I'm like, if you want a coach that knows this region like the back of his hand because he's coached you know all these all these teams from the region and been at the world cup that pretty much knows world cup qualifying you know like the back of his hand that would be the guy and they sacked him and because the the you know the federativos couldn't they just they just were beefing it and eventually he he left and but that's that's, and that's big reason why we we see a lot of these teams from Central America not doing as good as they should. Instead, you had the Caribbean teams outperforming them, you know? Uh, just given just how much more uh, into football these countries were um, in, in, you know, the Central American countries. And instead of that, you end up seeing like Trinidad, Tobago, Jamaica, and one not surpassing them uh, when these guys had been at it longer. So I, I do, I do hope the best for for Dana, man. Uh, you know, I kind of went off topic there. Oh, it's fine. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Dana and his tenure there. I hope he makes it the you know four year cycle. But I, I do agree that. CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers are going to open wide up for the next World Cup, especially because I think that's the one that's going to be expanded to 48 teams. So very curious yeah. to see how many CONCACAF slots there will be. Uh, but, I mean, this could be a big opportunity for teams like you know El Salvador and Guatemala, maybe even like Nicaragua or something. I mean, who knows, man? No idea what can happen in the next cycle. Well, well you have like the other teams that are pretty strong still, you know, uh, Honduras and, and Costa Rica. 
and, and, and you know, if they, if they play their cards right, they could be, they could be at the forefront. But behind me, I think we're, we're, we're straying far off from the yeah. Liga MX. That's fine. Liga MX. But, but, you know, like just long story short, that's what a lot of, I feel a lot of Mexican coaches should be doing. Uh, same as the Argentines, because Argentines don't just stay in Argentina to see when they're going to get a shot. They will coach any league, any team in like South America, even go all the way to Central America. You know, as long as you get to coach and you get that experience. And I think a lot of times in Mex, what we saw was some of these coaches that would just wait for their phone to ring <laughs> or just coach maybe some second division team. And then if they didn't get any other offers, just, I don't know, dude, they just, I don't know. They would just sort of disappear, you know? Tiburon is comes to mind. Tiburon Sanchez, he 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 yeah. was What's uh, he up to nowadays? I don't even know, but see he <laughs> took over this team that was um that was uh Higuera's team. I keep forgetting the Venados. name. They, no, no, there was the other one. They had oh, a guy Coraz. with a little hat. Coraz de Nayarit. We had like some dude with like yeah. a sombrero type. Yeah, Nayarit. Yep. He took over that squad, and he took him all the way to the final, and they lost to Necaxa in penalties. Wow. And and, uh, and but I mean he was doing good, and you know for his first run, and <laughs> this is messed up. He got a Saxon because he was offered Mauro Camoranesi. Oh. A promoter came and said, "Look, I got this Argentine Italian, Italo Argentine, um, World Cup champion, you know, Juventus, you know, alumni, and you know, he 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 went with it, and that dude only stayed like half a season. He ended up leaving, um, but Tiburon hmm. got sacked over that, which was messed up. <laughs> Tiburon said in an interview." <coughs> Like it was, I'm sorry. It was not even 24 hours after the match, and and he got calls me to a restaurant, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm, he's taking his plans for the next season, and he get out was basically just telling him like, hey man, thanks but no thanks. Damn. I know, cold blooded, but that's that's one of the coaches. I mean, we had another coach that disappeared, Travieso Guzman. He was in the mix for a while, and. We just don't, I haven't heard of him. And there's a lot of coaches like that, but I do feel that if they truly want to coach, then they should just go wherever they can. And, and that's why I've always been pro MLS. And, and I know a lot of our, our you know, fellow Cantineros and, and a lot of Liga MX, they're anti, but I mean, it's a big opportunity, you know, it, it's um, and I know they're gonna use the whole the rivalry and whatnot. That doesn't matter. You still see Argentines coaching in Brazilian league or Uruguayan league. You know, at the end of the day, it's work for these guys. So yeah, I do think I know Gonzo. I think there's another Mexican that's out there, but I can't I can't remember his name, Jaime. Uh, coaching in MLS. I think so. Uh, I'm not sure. But I know Gonzo's there because we were talking about some of these players that were um, getting like UEFA license. So I know 
Marquez was sort of there, but then uh, he kind of seems to have just given up. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I'm looking it up Col- right now. Consul's, we have Consul should be one to keep an eye on. He's the only Mexican there. Everybody else is from United States. So you have a few different coaches, but yeah, he's the only uh, Mexican coach right now. Yeah, it could be an assistant, but yeah. Regardless, um, that's something to keep an eye on, and I do think this league, uh, some of the coaches, Mexican shit, they should like be more open to it. They kind of have in the past the Los Cobos and and others that have come over, but um, just because there's not going to be that many opportunities in Liga MX, they will continue to bring in some of these Argentines hoping to land a A big opportunity for everybody in the MLS, except for one player, Jurgen Dam, who ironically uh, is where Gonzo Pineda is coaching Atlanta United, decided to cut him from the team. And of course, with him being a free agent, the media, maybe his own agent started throwing out some rumors, some smoke. And seeing who would who would uh, who would chase those tennis balls, but you know there was a rumor that he was going to sign with Guadalajara, and then he himself oh, yeah. <laughs> he himself had to go on on social media and say, "Hey, like I appreciate these rumors, but yeah, no one's approaching me. I'm training with Atlanta United two, which is like their USL team. So that's what's currently Ouch. going on in in Jurgen Dam's career, and it's a." Uh, Mexican on Mexican crime. You're telling me, Pineda, there's no room for him? Come on, man. Yeah, well, I think I think Casemeles has the salary cap. Oh, okay. And so so I think he's one of the higher paid players and Gonzo's like, dude, you're not for the highest paid player, you're just not cutting the mustard. And that's a sign of a good coach, man. And actually, now that you remind me, he was ref- he was not willing to renegotiate his salary so that's probably why there you go yeah he's like Uh, hey bro i I took out the lambo for my tiktok videos i can't i can't go back to that (laughs) lifestyle dog he still has payments (laughs) on the lambo he's like i didn't get a rental like people told me i should have i actually went for it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah man and that's why there's probably not that many teams offering him anything this dude's training in the them. second division of you know America, so that's it's not looking good for him. But yeah, he's gonna have to take a massive uh, wage cut. I I have was... I have uh, I have hope for him because you know they were able to give uh, Marco Fabian another opportunity over there at Mazatlan. So you know if he can get a yeah, job, but, anybody but you can. Know what? Yeah, but Marco Fabian probably did it for peanuts, man. <laughs> he must have said, you know what? And he signed a contract saying that, and I'm guessing here, a contract saying that if he's, you know, showing up to work drunk or missing trainings or whatnot, that they could just, you know, some type of release clause. Because who's gonna wanna, who's gonna wanna take a massive loss? Yeah. He's the one that has to prove himself. So, man, I'm pretty sure he's getting peanuts. But that's okay, man. If if he's going to get to play, 
is getting that that third chance or fourth, whatever it is, to to get back. Because I mean, he's a good player. He 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 should not be like this. But of course, he's had um his injuries and and just bad. You know, he he created a bad image for himself. Yeah. Well, um, he looked really lively. Uh, in that match against Tigres over the weekend. That was actually one of the matches that I did watch. And uh, very controversial, Tigres-Mazatlan. Uh, Tigres were up 2-0, and it really seemed like it was going to be uh, an easy victory for them. But Mazatlan came back. Marco Fabian got subbed in. He he had a hockey assist in that match. And all of a sudden, man, Mazatlan like, you know, tied the game up 2-2. And uh, it it almost looked like they were going to possibly even win the match. Um, And then there was a controversial penalty call at a very pivotal point in the match, you know, because this is back when Mazatlan had Tigres on the ropes. And, of course, uh, you know, Tigres get like a soft penalty call. Zignac puts it away. And it's uh, it's 3-2. Yeah, it's 3-2. And then uh, Coco Liso scores a fourth goal. To make it four two, and but Mazatlan kept fighting, kept fighting, got another goal back. So I mean, the final score was four three, and uh, you know Tigres win, but I, I it was a bit unconvincing, and uh, you know I, I I do feel like Piojo um, got lucky there, you know, because he's been under the hot seat. <laughs> Wait, didn't didn't Marco Fabian score the? He already scored a goal, if I'm not mistaken. With uh, I think it was. A pretty sweet goal. I think it was um, when Mexico was uh, playing their qualifying matches. I think they had like a some friendlies. I oh, think, yeah, it was a friendly then. Yeah, because he did he did score, but it was it wasn't an official match. Ah, uh, well, he already got an assist. That's good. Yeah, you know he's, he's earning his. <laughs> yeah. And um, some other things about Tigres that I thought were interesting. There was a player debut that game. And this dude is being registered as the shortest player in Liga Mekis. Uh, his name is Jefferson Sol- Soteldo. And I was looking into him. He's from Venezuela. And he was actually playing for Toronto. So it makes me wonder if maybe, you know, Tigres and, and Toronto had sort of like a player swap. You know, we'll send you Salcedo. And in return, uh, you guys get our little midget, you know, because <laughs> this dude is five two, dog. He is a, he's short, bro. He's really short. Oh, crazy! Yeah, interesting. He actually played in for Santos in Brazil, so he's he's got quite a resume, and um, he looked good for the minutes that he did play there. So I just feel like he's such a small guy; it's it's kind of hard to defend. How tall is he again? Five two. Yeah, that's pretty short, man. Yeah, him and Zignac were like standing near each other, and I'm like, "Holy shit, dude! He looks like your son." And <laughs> you know, it's funny because like Zignac used to play with another short guy at Marseille. Um, I forgot his name, but he was like five three. So, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Must be good, man. Must be. Yeah, cause that's. That's very short. Soccer player average height is it's about five eight. That's the average height 
oh, Mateo Valbuena. There we go. That was the short guy that I used to play with. Yeah, that guy's a five. Wait, 411? Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> man, you got to be good, man. He played for... I've never heard of that guy. My, yeah, I remember him. He he kind of like went viral when they showed like photos of him next to like a tall guy. But yeah, he's four eleven. Uh, he played for Marseille. He played for Lyon. Uh, he's at Olympiacos now. No. Oh. But uh. Oh, and he's at a yeah, it's a good club. Le Petit Velo, which translates to the little bike. I guess that's what they call him. <laughs> but uh. We've gone 30 minutes without talking about the elephant in the room. Actually, there's two elephants in the room. The first one, uh, San Luis. San Luis upsetting America on Saturday. Uh, they scored uh, three goals in that first half, but one of them was uh, disallowed. So um, it was actually uh, two, three, three zero at one point. And America ended up scoring two goals in stoppage time to make it look you know, like it was a close game. Uh, 3-2 final score, but America lost at home to San Luis, and the fans were not happy. I know, that was my, I was singing high praises for Ame and Solari, and it seemed to be by far, I still think he could do good, it's just, it's still the start of the season, these things happen a lot of times where you're, you're slow to start, or some things are just not firing, but yeah, there's there's a big group of Americanistas that want him out. Which is ridiculous, right? I mean, this guy's putting out numbers. I know that, you know, they're not happy with the fact that they've been eliminated in quarterfinals back-to-back. But ha- have they not forgotten that this is one of the most consistent teams in Mexico? I don't understand why they're starting to turn your back on him. Yeah, it's these expectations, man. And and the media, a lot of times, they create really high expectations. And as fans, we forget that it's a short season, which makes things look worse than they really are. You know, you have less time to do to do anything, really. So this guy has 47 matches, 26 victories, 10 draws, uh, 11 losses, very similar uh, results uh, to Puebla's coach. He's averaging 1.87 points per match, and uh, he's gotten he's gotten America in Liga, obviously. And uh, I guess again, the the biggest criticism is the fact that they they haven't been able to get past the uh, the quarterfinal stage uh, in Liga Mekis, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um. In the uh, Champions League, they they only got to semis. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, well, and you know, Ame hasn't really been, you know, usually in the past they would do the big signing. They really, they've been pretty miss with, with some of them recently, you know. Gio was a dud. We just had to let him go. No one picked him up. Oh, and now they got Jonah, who... I don't know. I haven't watched how many games. I don't know what he's been doing. But I know he 
he hasn't been one of the better players, you know, or as good as he's shown that he can be. Yeah, I you know. I think they thought that he was going to be the coach to take him to the next level. And, you know, for him falling short with, with Ligia, uh, especially again, limiting the quarterfinals, uh, I think the the fans are, you know, starting to lose their patience with him. Right now, it's not looking good. Three matches, no victories, one draw, two losses. They're in 16th position with one point. You know it's bad when we're doing better with, than they are. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'm personally enjoying this, so uh we'll see you know we'll see how 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 short that leash is over there we've already had one coach get the guillotine uh this season after four matches so i don't know if uh, he's on the hot seat and uh the other uh coach being on the hot seat is is obviously javier aguirre uh you know monterrey flew out to united united arabs uh to play in the club world cup and in the first round, they lost to Alali 1-0, and uh, Rayados fans were not happy at all. No, yeah, there's that big rivalry with Tigres, and, you know, being that Tigres recently had that, you know, they made the final, you know, they, they always want to match or surpass, and so it's it's embarrassing for them to get booted at the first try. We wouldn't know anything like that, would we? <laughs> you know, yeah, and you know, I I think just, I'm glad you bring it up because it requires good planning. Like, say, okay, we're gonna go to this tournament, and and we want to we want to leave a good impression or try to win it, and so you you plan for that. Give us the, the opposite. They dismantled the team and then they brought a new coach. Uh, or yeah, they did. How long had how long had he been there? Had, had he just Cardoso? Yeah, Cardoso was. Yeah. Or had he just come in? Because you know, Chivas brings coaches at like <laughs> at like the end of the season. They, they were bringing them at bad times. Um, was Cardoso the guy that took over after? I'm checking it right now. Let me see. I think he took over after Almeida. So I think he had that one season. Uh, where are we? Was it was it after the his first season or was it his or was it basically the preseason? It was here we go. Uh December fifteenth, twenty eighteen, quarterfinals against the Kashmir Antlers. Uh, but he was already at the helm since that summer, so okay. So it was months. like the preseason, which could have been like, and they had brought in a couple players. Um, and I remember some of the players were mad because uh, they said they, yeah, it was it was like they were trying to rebuild the squad, and it's like you can't do both, you know. You're you're trying to rebuild a team and then playing at a tournament. And I thought that was the whole thing was just poorly executed. And that doesn't just fall on the coach. It falls on the directiva that they have to plan for this. Same with Monterrey because they're, if you're going to lose X amount of players for World Cup qualifying, then you have to at least 
try to postpone Liga MX games or, or um, see if you could fly over there with a squad, you know, earlier and, and just prepare, you know. I think they could have matched well with some of their some of their other their alternative players. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about uh, Alali. No disrespect to them, but come on, man, this is a team that you should be beating. Yeah, but see that 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 time zone thing. It's always it's it's you know, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but the, it's a big time zone change, and so for you know. The, the whole travel and the going over there, it's it's always affected uh, Liga MX. Like we've seen it across the board, they just struggle a lot, and a lot of teams we've seen crash out in the first round to leagues that you know they should be better. Um, yeah. Leagues that that or teams that aren't as strong. And, yeah, and so it's it's not like that they don't care. It's it's a couple things, you know. It's 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 just how you go about it. Um, you, you know, um, you bring up a good point, and I'm I'm looking at this Club World Cup that I'll be honest, no one really cares about. It does it's not a very prestigious cup. It's more just for like the thrills. But I don't agree. Was basically, which is really quick on the cup. Uh-huh. This was basically the international cup. Uh-huh. They used to be played between the champion of South America and the and the European. So the Libertadores and the Champions League. Right. The champions would go at, at each other. And then uh, FIFA sort of took over it. And then they did like a mini, mini inviting champions, of the, like a confederaciones of clubs. And But it's still designed in, in a way to benefit more the South American and the European teams. Yeah. And my here's my thing, right? Cuz it just feels stupid to go interrupt your normally scheduled, you know, league and all that just to go there and have one game and then that's it. And then I guess they felt bad about doing that, so now like they they have a second game, you know, for fifth place. But I think that's stupid. I think what they should have done <laughs> is make this a two-legged thing. And that way Sure, you might have got me on the first game, but let you know. Let's you know. It takes a while for you to get a uh, you know acclimated to your surroundings again. The jet lag, whatever. Then you can throw all those excuses out the window because you have another go at them. I think it should just be like two legs. You know, I think that first round, that first round should be two legs, and I think that that would give you know because that way you're guaranteed two games like you are now, and uh, and you feel like all right, you know, you beat me fair and square. I think that's the way it should be. I think it should be a, a two-legged in the in the in the second round, uh, in the semifinal, and then the final is just like a one and done. You know, kind of like how they do Champions League. I think that would have been a little bit more fair. Uh, yeah, but I think for because I don't think the European clubs want to play that many games. They already have so many games, so I, I think in their end they don't want to. But I mean. Supposedly there was going to be a new format, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, Alali, uh, who beat Monterrey 1-0, ended up losing today against Palmeiras in the semifinal. So Palmeiras is in the the final, and on the other side, we're waiting for uh, the match between Chelsea and Al-Hilal. So 
those are the and you know Rayados fans were so arrogant and cocky they were like this is our we're gonna win this you know Chelsea aren't playing well Palmeiras is a shoe in you know that's a top you know that one's that one's a layup like these dudes were going into the like super cocky and they can't get past the first round and the fans were very upset they they waited for uh you know the team to get on the bus and they were demanding <laughs> Aguirre to to speak to them and and to hear their you know his his excuses and then back in Monterrey I think they were they had like uh coolers with like heads of the players and staff and had their heads chopped off like and they were like you know really upset and they had like eggs with like I get his face on it like dude they're just doing the most right now like dude it's it's not that serious man to be an extra <laughs> but i mean I, I, do you think that Aguirre is uh, is also on a short leash? No, um, I, I you know because that's the one thing about him. He signed like a, such a massive contract, you know, that he has like the type of contract where it's like it will cost a lot of money to sack him and. Part of the reason for that is to guarantee that he's going to be, you know, be able to do his job. You know, that he's not getting the, that treatment like some of these coaches do that they just boot him like three games in. So he has that clout where they went to look for him so he, he could put his conditions. And so, yeah, he has that. It, it's going to cost him a lot of money. Um, so I think, if anything, they would let him finish. They would let him finish the season. Uh, because you don't, you don't bring a coach of his stature just to sack him right away, you know? So I, I do think they would, they would let him finish the season. And if they feel it's not working out, you know, because the fans have these high expectations. They feel the team should be playing like, a, you know, should be looking like a, like a Champions League squad. Then, yeah, I, I guess the directiva would try to figure something out and, and part ways. But I don't, I don't think, I don't think Aguirre would get sacked. He would have to be like doing really bad during the league, and I just don't see him doing that either. I think he might not. The team might not be as as good as they should be, but given how there's Liguilla and whatnot, so I do feel like at the end of it he'll be he'll be right there fighting for the for the for the title. We'll see. You know, I really can't put my my finger on it, but with Rayales, they've been underperforming for quite some time. I know they did win the Conca Champions League, um, but I mean, if you look at this team, you know they have. Seleccionados like you know Luis Romo, Cesar Montes, Gallardo, Funes Mori, um, Hector Moreno. I mean, this team is like freaking stacked. They have Vincent Johnson, um, and you know when I was looking at that match between Ali, it only just made me feel so much more relief uh, that we did not end up getting Rodolfo Pizarro because that guy. <laughs> that guy had a terrible game, and I'm just like, man, I just feel like his time is is over, man. Like, 
I don't know. He he really didn't live up to the to the hype. He he lost his mojo. He did lose his mojo. And now he's getting paid fat, so it's like where's the incentive? Where's the hunger? There is none. Yeah, and, and that's what happened with some of these players. I know he had hunger early on when he he was at Pachuca and he he, he fancied himself as one of the players like Chucky that he's gonna go abroad and that he had the talent to go to Europe. And um Yeah, it, it was seem like him Aguirre. Uh, Eric Aguirre, or not Eric Aguirre, Eric uh, Gutierrez and and Chucky. I mean, it was the three amigos. We thought they were all going to go to Europe. Yeah, so I mean, something similar happened to to Marco Fabian because he was the. That's also what started his problems at Chivas, where he felt that you know he was going to go abroad and Chivas was holding him back. But you know, just just more on. More on uh, on Pizarro, so I mean, that's where his mind was. Like he was set on going abroad, and he seen like Chucky make the jump, and others, and so he's thinking, okay, it's my turn. But then the big offer comes from uh, from Chivas, and I think that's where he had to make that sacrifice, where he he should have been like, you know what, I'm not going. Because it wasn't just 20, uh, 18, 17 million, whatever. Massive transfer. Of, of course, they offered him, like, you know, massive wages. And he accepted. He could have said, you know what? No, I want to go to Europe. And I don't care if I get paid peanuts. But but he didn't. So I knew, I knew then. Like, I remember him signing. And he was talking about, I don't know if he was saying it, but how he still has was said I'm going abroad and I'm like yeah, that's going to be tough I mean cuz they're not you know euro teams don't rarely pay that much for for Mexican talent yeah I think I think the biggest transfers were um I think it was um oh damn uh, Raul Jimenez I think uh Linus is up there too yeah, but I mean, it's it's pretty rare. You don't really see these teams paying that much. Uh, at least not like you know, rarely double digits. And uh, so I, I let's need... see. Ener Valencia is number one, sixteen point oh, yeah, uh, yeah, five but, million. Well, we need Mexicans though. Mex Mexican talent. Um, Christian Benitez, Hector Herrera. Um, Jackson Martinez, Aquivaldo Mosquera, Mauro Camar. You know, Mauro, is, that one's really impressive, uh, Mauro uh, Camoranesi, because that was back in 2001, and that was for $7.7 7 So that was a lot of money back then. He was, he was very interesting because this guy, he couldn't, he couldn't, he didn't get to play Argentine first division. What? At least not. No, he was in second division. Oh, and and then Cruz Azul got him. What well, says so he was a? It says he was at uh, Club Atlético Aldovisi, second division in Argentina, and then he went to Santos Laguna. 
What? Yeah, oh, there you go. My bad. He went to Santos, then Cruz Azul. Or did he go back to second division? He went and to Wanderers, Nuruwai, Banfields, and then he went to Cruz Azul. There you go. So, I mean, he, he, he was struggling there for a bit, but I remember seeing him at Cruz Azul, man. That dude was just, he was just massive. And then Kievo buys them. Kievo, I don't know if it's Kievo, Verona, because there's two Kievos. And he had just a great season. And then he ends up at Juventus. Then after that, because he had like, uh, he got an Italian passport. He ends up getting called to the Argent, I mean, our, to the Italian national team. And he makes it all the way to the World Cup where he wins it. Yeah. It's interesting how like Argentina has that like Italian tie, you know, because he was born in Argentina. Well, because they're they're in the Second World War, I think. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, immigrants from Italy went to Argentina. Oh, I see. They opened the borders, and a lot of them arrived there. So you have a lot of the you see it in the last names. You see it a lot. Yeah. And that's also what's made it so easy for them to to get the EU passport. Yeah, like. Um... The, the Avala, he's like eligible to play for like a lot. He was like Polish and Italian yeah. and Argentina. Yeah, and, it's like... and they had opened their borders a lot of, a lot of, you know, it was the war. I don't know if they did it during both wars, but I know they did it. And, and you had a lot of, it was mainly Italians that came, but there was Polish and, and from other, other um, Germans too. You know, they said this hidden Nazi gold over there. <laughs> but you do have names like the defender that played at at uh, at Toros Nesa um, Lusenhof. Yeah. So yeah, you have a lot. But yeah, man, it's interesting what what we saw with Mauro. I, I thought he was gonna coach in Max, but. His venture didn't last long, and I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he just didn't care too much to be. If I'm not mistaken, he picked up a job at Dudenen, but I could be wrong. But I do recall hearing his. Oh, so he went to the broadcasting. I think he did. Was it him? Uh, no, it was. It was um. It was this guy. He looked homeless, dude. Um, Sorin, I think it was. Was it Sorin? I think it was a dude that played uh in River Plate, and I remember seeing him in one of the World Cups, and he had just, like, really long hair and a long beard, <laughs> and he looked like a homeless dude, but, like, a homeless dude that they, when they do, like, those makeovers, and they give him a suit, <laughs> they just, they just hadn't had time to cut his hair. It makes me wonder how many World Cup winners have played in Liga Mekis. That's a good question. I know there's been a few, but it's a that's a good question. That's a good. It's a good it's a trivia good, uh, question. We'll, yes, sir, it is. We'll we'll throw that out to the listeners if you guys can give us an answer without cheating. And with with, with Camoranesi, it's trippy because he played before, before. he was a World Cup winner. I guess so we. I don't know if that. I don't know if that counts. I guess but we can say played, before and uh, well, players that have either ended up winning one after or you know. 
Oh, Bebeto. I know Bebeto won the World Cup. And Bebeto was oh. at Toros Mesa. And Wait. he didn't really do much. Ronaldinho, of course. He was at Querétaro. Oh. Do you know we have one right now? Um, yeah, that dude that... Uh, was he on the bench? I think the French guy from uh, Tigres, right? That's right. Florin Tauvin. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, a World Cup I, winner. Did he even play? Was he was just carrying players' bags? Was, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he was, was there. La Volpe was a World Cup winner. He was third in, he was third in line of goalkeeping and in the bench, but <laughs> he had his he got his uh his gold. And you know what he did, which still surprises me. He had the gold from his uh gold medal World Cup mounted. And I think he made watches for his uh for the players he took to the World Cup in Mexico for the um for the Mexican team he took to the World Cup in no Germany. Way. Yes, sir. Wow. Bet he regrets doing that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I, um, yeah, that's that was one of them, La Volpe. But he has that. He has who well, had <laughs> melted it. I would never take that off, dude. I would I always know, carry it. You tripping. Tripping. I would not. That medal or not yeah. stays with me, dude. You know, always. um, how many like two or three of the World Cups that Brazil won are like lost or stolen? You know, they found one in a shoebox and the other one was like <laughs> stolen. So, yeah, it's out there somewhere. Well, they didn't keep them back then. So basically, if you won it, you won the World Cup, you had to give it back to FIFA. Oh. And I think after the third, after the third, then you got to keep it. So Brazil did get a copy, and that was the Jules Rimmett Cup. The, the one before they, yeah, redesigned it. It was, yeah, it's like, a, I think it's Nike, the wing, the wing, the goddess of victory, holding up, holding up the cup. Or holding up like a thing that looks like for the cup. Um, so that's, and it's kind of small. So when if you see pictures of Pele, that's the one. That's, I think, one of them, right? I don't think he got to, no, I think the other one was, what was it, 94? Because Brazil won 94. Was that their fourth or fifth? Well, Brazil has five, right? Okay, that was their so, fourth. Then. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the thing, but that, I don't know if you get it after the third one. But they have that, the Jules Rimmett, and I know it had been stolen, and then supposedly they found it, but I don't know if they found it. Because it was gold, so they could have just melted. They could have said, we found it, here's another one. Uh, but it was stolen. I think it was stolen in Brazil. Um, yeah, so it says that uh, some disappointing facts about the World Cup. It's probably hollow. Um, you, you don't get to keep it. Uh, it says they take home a cheaper replica. Uh, the replica <laughs> is just gold-plated. And it's. Uh, they said that the original has been stolen. So in 1983, uh, it was stolen from its display case in Rio de Janeiro. And it believes to have been melted down and sold. Wow. I got a pretty good memory, dude. 
I was going off from memory. I know that I think it was stolen in England, and then Pickles the dog or something like that found it. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta Google Pickles the dog, dude. <laughs> oh, it says that um, it's running out of space. It's estimated that there's only enough space for at most four more winning teams' names to be engraved on the base of the trophy. Uh, so that means that it'll be needed to be replaced again. Oh. So pretty interesting. I think if Germany wins, they probably get to keep it. Yeah. Here it is. Let me read it. Pickles was a black and white collie dog known for his role in filing the stolen Jules Rimmick trophy in March 1966, four months before the 1966 FIFA World Cup was scheduled to kick off in England. Wow. Uh, pickles. Pickles the Jeez. dog. That's some there's fun a couple, Hey, there's a couple animals tied to football. Remember there wow. was Paul the octopus? Octopus, the oracle, man. That dude did not <laughs> miss. And you know, after the World Cup, um, Madrid t- uh, put him in their museum. Was he dead? <laughs> he ended up he ended up passing away, but yeah, he was in their museum. They put him in the museum? They, like, they had him like... Uh, they, had know, a tank they, for, like... they had a tank for him and everything. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple animals there that's been tied to to the World Cup, real and fake. Uh, the the mascot for the US ninety four. Oh, the striker, the dog. Oh, the <laughs> <Striker>. dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then in uh, ninety eight, it was uh, was it a gallo? That's true. Yeah. It was the cock. Yeah. Some pretty cool stuff there. Um, but man, we've covered a lot of drama this week. It just seems like, you know, without fail, there's always something going on in Mexico. Uh, another form of disappointment. Disappointment across the board, you know, with, you know, La Selección. Then you got America losing. got Rayados getting kicked out early. But, you know, that's good because it leaves room for new ones, you know, because now you have Puebla, who's on top. You have Atlas, who are maintaining their dominance. But there's, there's Liguilla, though. If you're an Ami fan. Right now, they're not even in Liguilla. They're in 16th position, dog. <laughs> I, I know, but my point of this Liguilla means you don't have to be in the top. You don't have to be top three to go into Liguilla. You could be, I don't know if it's still at 12. So at the end of the day, they still go in there, catch heat at the right moment, as you said, mm-hmm. you know, and run with it and win it. So I do think this they're just being overly harsh with Solari, man. It, you can't expect to maintain to maintain this co- consistency. And we were talking about it last part as well, how difficult it is to to be consistent for so long. Um, just because other teams always are improving, um, you know, they're, they're building and improving. And as like we've said with America right now, it's not like they went out and, and brought in some, some top players and they, they got Jonah, man. That's, that's like, that's not like the America from before. When I grew up, man, they were always bringing in players like Bum Bum Zamorano and, uh, El Piojo Lopez, man. Oh, yeah. So, 
big named players, dude. And it's just, and now they're going after Jonah, who's almost washed up. And I say that with all due respect. I do think he has talent, but some of these guys seem to just give up sometimes. <clears throat> so yeah. I do think they're being over, overly critical and overly harsh. But you know, Jaime, I want to mention this right now. Sure. Because Bundesliga is thinking of doing a Liguilla. Oh, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. I almost forgot about yes. that. And I'm I'm anti-Liguilla, but I'm going to sound like a sellout here, Jaime. <laughs> I, I think, I do think it, would, it could work in uh, Germany. And so the reason the Germans want to do it is because they want to, you know, even the playing field, it's basically just Bayern Munich winning all the time. And they know that it's hard to maintain, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it, it gets boring, you know? You know, and what's crazy, what's crazy about Bayern Munich is like, they are so obsessed with winning that it's just never enough for them. You know, they, they were looking at winning their, <laughs> their ninth consecutive, you know, league title. And they're still like foaming at the mouth. Like this is, uh, this is not Dude, good nine. enough. Yeah, nine, dude. I would not enjoy a league like that. You yeah. know, it's basically everyone's a, a Bayern fan. <laughs> everyone's basically a Munich fan. And any other team just doesn't stand a chance. And I'm pretty sure they're the team with the most money, you know. They got all these big companies tied to them. But Ligia would even the playing field because it's, you know, just, just the way the Ligia is, one bad game and you could be ousted. And that would... And you do as fans, man. You want to be able to be a, to see your team win something or, or celebrate or have that. And if that's what's going to take, then I do feel it, it, it will be good for them. And, and why I think in Germany it would work really good is because they have real relegation. Uh, Mexico hasn't had real relegation in like... I don't know, 30 years maybe? Mm-hmm. They, you know, porcentaje and all that. That's that's not, come on, man. That's not that's not a real relegation. People were crying because they got rid of it. And it's like, yeah, it hasn't existed for a long time. When, when Veracruz gets relegated and then next season they're back up because they, they bought some other team. That's, come on, that's not, that's not relegation, you know? When you have a tabla de porcentaje and you could you could suck for like three straight years, that's not that's that's not sorry that's not real. You, it, the real one is when at the end of the season, if you're in last place, you you getting the fuck out. That's relegation right there, man. You know that's when it's you can feel the fire burning your ass. Uh, you could be like Chivas and just fucking fuck around for three four years and and then. Get, be in danger, you know, quotation marks, danger of fucking being relegated. And then after like two seasons, you're, you're, you're good. So I'm sorry that, that people crying over the relegation. It's like, it hasn't been real in, in Liga MX for a long time. But I think if Germany keeps the real one, that makes the, you know, that makes the tournament still exciting. And then they they still have what the four teams that go to they go to uh, Champions League, so 
they have more to play for, you know. You know, the bottom teams are fighting for the no descenso. The top teams, the top, what, three or four are fighting for Champions League, and then the three below that for the UEFA. So they're fighting for all these cups and to not get relegated. And then once you get Liguilla, you're, you know, that's to win the to win the, the league championship. So, yeah, I, and that I, I, I really, especially if they keep long season format as opposed to uh, two short seasons. But even, even with them, because they have all those tournaments, I could still see it working, you know? Yeah, they have the Douche Pokal, they have the Champions League, Europa League. So what I do find interesting is Bayern Munich has won the league 30 times. And after that, the next best team is Borussia Dortmund with five. So, I mean, this is a fucking joke, man. Like, this is always, it's always Bayern Munich, man. They've won every single league there is. And it's just like. Yeah, and they, they get all the best players. And yeah, players and that's another thing. Good. It's like <laughs> when Dortmund was playing really, really good football and they won two leagues and they were in the Champions League final. What does Bayern Munich do? They go ahead and just say, we'll take you, we'll take you, we'll take you. You know, it's like they just, wow. It's just. It's... Which, which we got to say, Pavel Pardo and I think it was. Osorio. Osorio, yes. I always confuse Osorio with the other Osorio. Um, dude, winning, winning that, that Bundesliga. What's it called? Jaime, I've been drinking beer and I'm forgetting stuff. Uh, the you talking about um, um what's it the called? Championship. <laughs> are you talking about the the trophy or are you talking about the? Yeah, the cup. It's called the something. I uh... forget. It looks like a fucking saucer. <laughs> it's like wait, where you bring hors d'oeuvres with cheese and different type of meat? Yeah, Maybe that's cool. Normally I wouldn't do this, but I just drank a whole bottle. I had a chimay. Oh, I you mean, had a Chimay. I, I gave in and I went to Trader Joe's and they got me a bottle. Oh, nice. Uh, Bundesliga Metterschleichel. It's the championship shield. <laughs> yeah, it's the championship shield. It looks like, yeah, it looks like something you would put, you know, chips and dip on. It <laughs> 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 uh, is a big old plane. Man, this does have 30 of those. <laughs> but be like, we can put the hubcaps on a lot of cars. They can. <laughs> you just put them on the roof of a house. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they... Do they get a new one here. each time, or do they just let them... Yeah, you know what? You guys are going to win it next year. You guys can just... You guys can just... just have... <laughs> Dude, that... that... That's not running out of, uh, you know, I don't think it's running out of space for names. Yeah. <laughs> they can just put Barnes Munich name and then just put a little like uh, slash next to like it each one. time. Each time they win, a yeah, little like check mark, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a little tally. God damn. God damn. Yeah, man. That's that's something. But I'm I'm hopeful that that Bayern does do Liga. And I think that would shake these things Germans, up. You know, German engineering. I think if they, they do it right, and then hopefully then the my goddamn peoples could 
take a page from that because I think they could have changed that up a long time ago, but they just seem content not to. But then I think once they see, like, oh, look how they're doing it. Let's, let's try it like that. Um, but I do feel, because I do feel like if Liga MX had a better format, it would be more competitive. I always talked about wanting like an FA style cup. Yeah, that'd be where cool. It's like you have even amateur teams competing. Yeah, you have uh, Liga Premier. Yeah. All the way up, and it's like a one off. And I would like a cup like that where it's a one off, and that's one cup to play, and that would be pretty cool. I would like it if Copa MX was treated more with more prestige instead of just making it the way it is now, which, you know, like I remember when I started watching and dude, it was at that point, the teams didn't care for it anymore. And they would just always send the reserves and they just, eventually they got rid of it. And I'm like, that's fucked up, you know, like that just sort of, yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. You know, Chivas won a few of those. And, oh, no, but I'm going way back. Oh, you're talking about here. before. You're talking now, man. I'm talking about, like, 90s. Because they kind of got rid of it for a while, and then they brought it back up. But for a while, it was like, they almost didn't even, the media almost didn't even mention it. It was almost like, you know, and, and you know, that's, that's, to me, it's been one of the reasons Mexican football is not, better than it should be, you know, this deep depreciation. I don't even know if that's a word. You know, we, we it's in Espanol, you know, menospreciar. We are our own shit. We don't, we don't value it as much as we should, which is the one thing I like about Almeida, even though I've been a huge critic. But, man, any cup you play, this went all out, man. And that's more from him being Argentine, man. Yeah, yeah one can even argue. Any fucking cup, dude. This didn't give yeah. a fuck if it was a fucking Plato cup. He was he wanted to fucking win it. And if anything that I I always valued highly about him was that that mentality, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, he realized that you know they could win these cups. They were actually like accessible to them, you know, because. They, you know, the Chivas were never the uh, consistent team in in league play, and they never, they haven't been for a long time. Like if you look at all of our, our championship, <laughs> if you look at our championship runs that we've had, like they 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 haven't been because we were in first place. We were in Repechaje when we won in two thousand six. You know, we were like the last seed, and uh, I think in our last championship in twenty seventeen, we were actually in second place because we closed at home, so we were actually higher in the table that time but for the most part you know if if Chivas were to go to the long season format it would be a nightmare for us because we probably wouldn't even have an opportunity to win a title at that at that point so um Matias was always very good at those knockout stages you know with uh Conca champions and Copa Mekis and all that so yeah no he took all of them serious uh even that one of the Super Copas, and it was against mm. Veracruz, who doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> and it was, a Veracruz, it was a Veracruz team that had won a Copa MX. That, that shows you just how bad Copa MX is. <laughs> and there wasn't even, I think, the same squad that had won it. You know, this probably hadn't been even paid, probably hasn't been fed. You know, this dude didn't give a fuck. He still, he went, he played him, and he won that Super Cup. 
and a big reason why he's so he's so adored by fans. You know, he won all these cups. A lot of them, a lot of them are pretty much Mickey Mouse. And I say Mickey Mouse in the sense that because the other teams don't take him as serious. Yeah. Copa Max, when you have the best teams not competing in it, it starts losing prestige because, you know, whatever format they decided to do, they said, okay, well, the, the top teams aren't going to compete. And that, that starts taking away some of the prestige. Um, so, yeah, I do feel that Mexico has a lot, man. I'm going to tell you a joke. Hopefully, I do it justice. Uh, my good friend John told it to me, but I think it, it's always ringed true to a lot of things Mexico. So there's these two Mexican generals, and they're talking. And one of them says, you know what? We should attack the U.S. And the other one's like, what the fuck, dude? You know, that's a crazy idea. And the guy's like, well, hear me out, man. He's like, in World War II, after Japan and Germany lost against the U.S., the U.S. helped them build their economy. And look at them now, they're, they're first world countries. Another general is like, and what if we win? And, you know, that, that applies today. It's like, you don't know what to do with, they don't know what to do with what they have, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so like, what if we win? What if we win? You get it all, man. But it's, the mentality it is, is, is huge, man. It is true. So it's it's one this almost like a fear of winning um, is there because one thing that we've seen with Mex, they always play better when they're the underdog. Always. But when they're like the, you know, the favorite the, the, the favorite they they end up struggling and that's i do think that's a men, mental thing it's and a, I do it's think a mindset it's, thing it, it's it's yeah it's a culture cultural thing. too it's a culture and thing. i said look look we ourselves because doing that to all these cups that mexico had and all these things from the tournament and how they they themselves devalued them they just hurt themselves you know Especially when we see how some of these cups started. Champions League started as a cup from from the um goddamn, what's this French French magazine? El Equipe. You know, it was they're like almost like a, it was almost like an exhibition type, you know, tournament that they did. Real Madrid took it serious, you know, but it started from a magazine. And so there's I don't see why, you know. But but we see it now, man. Look, look at fans, and then Jaime, I'm about to call you out. You yourself. When we see like these Liga MX MLS cups, you guys are already tearing them down, man. You go full piñata, and it's just start. It's just part of our. Start, it's it's part of our. Beating them down. Hate, hate, huh? hate, 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 hate. <laughs> it's just the haters' club, man. It's just anything that that's uh, you know proposed to. Like I mean, look at how everybody reacted to the super league i mean that blew everyone's mind man <laughs> just immediately rejected and and they they had us they had to shut it down bro like people do not want change i mean that's the reality well it's not just not want change but not 
not valuing what they themselves can bring to the table because they're thinking Libertadores, because they're thinking Boca Juniors and Flamengo and all these big teams, Colo Colo, and they're thinking about them, but they're not putting themselves and saying, fuck it, America, Chivas, Tigres, you know, they're not thinking that. They're thinking, oh, we need these teams to make it so it could be popping. And so it's like, this part is not going to be good unless we invite these people. Right. Instead of saying, we're going to make this party pop because we're right here. We're the party, yeah. Yeah, and they should because it's like, dude, it all comes down to money, man. Eventually, if, if, of course, I'm saying if um, this there was a cup between LMX and MLS and it started blowing up and getting the ratings, they could invite those teams and they fuck dude in ah. a minute they would come over here. The, the, they would. Cause it's, it's like, like the it's like the nerds in high school. There. Like the nerds in high school didn't get invited to any parties, and then now they're like the <laughs> now everybody wants to join oh, yeah, their they party. Were, they were working on apps. They were working on that for reading comic books and other. Like, Wait, you guys are making money? Comic- Hold on, we want to join this party now. You guys are cool. <laughs> it did happen, you know. It's comic books used to be, you were a geek, you know. But now it's like, you know, that stuff blew up, and a lot of that stuff that was like geek culture, like comic books and cosplay and all that, just blew up almost overnight and. Now you had hot girls um, dressing up as anime and whatnot, and all the Marvel movies, DC movies, making billions of dollars. So now everyone, you know, is in on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like uh, Stranger Things, which was like, you know, you have the kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, and that was like, I played that in high school, man. I used to give me fun. Of it. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not complaining. I would probably make fun of me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll, ha- we'll have to but, see what happens you know, the stuff that was dorky then became cool and that's that's what you shouldn't discount or what they shouldn't discount and think okay if it blows up here if soccer was to blow up in the u.s because the whole world looks to the u.s you know like they have like super bowl and nba or not so if if the sport ever blew up here, dude, especially, and, and you know, we're, we're talking about influential, so like music, movies, dude, anywhere you go in the world, that's, they're getting all that stuff from the US. Anything that's movies or music, popular culture. So if soccer was ever to blow up right here. Yeah, but uh, that dude, it, the culture it, has already dude, been established, though, in Europe, man. Like they're the original, so. It, it has, but 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 they're right now they're dependent on money. I mean, how many of their teams have been sold out to oil money? How many of their teams are not even owned? They're owned by foreign investors. So they're not even dependent on their own right now. Yeah. So I mean I'm just saying if they were to blow up here. Max already has that front row seat. Yeah. Which is, I think they're, they're conscious of that. And it's like, why you could even see like a Champions League happening here because we've seen similar to it, right? It was that, uh, I mean, she was played it <laughs> with Thomas Boy. What was it called? International something cup? Yeah, International right? Champions Cup. Porto, Atletico. 
do you have these teams coming here to play? Don't I mean, if there was a cup that was formed, they would. Eventually, they would, you know, mm -hmm. in one form or another. So that's that's always a possibility, and I, I don't think people should discard it. And these things usually take a long time. So it could be 20 years from now, you know? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I think for now... You know, people don't want to admit that the U.S. is getting better at soccer and that the MLS is, you know, competitive. I think Mexicans and other people, they just continue to discredit them. And, uh, you know, I, I just I don't see that ever happening to American culture because unlike American sports, you know, USA is not number one in soccer. And I think that immediately dismisses, you know, the interest, you know, because in the NBA and American football and baseball, they're number one at it. So it's like, you know, they're proud of it. And I think Americans can't stand the fact that, you know, they're not good at soccer and you have, you have uh, poor countries that have won it, you know, in their eyes, you but know, they are, you know, they are hosting. So I think a good run, can light that fire in their ass, you know? Yeah. Maybe even like a semi-final appearance can can ignite that. Because think, even in even at one point in Mexico, soccer was not the main sport. You had wrestling, you had bullfighting, boxing, baseball, and a lot of these sports were bigger. Uh, Mexico did host two World Cups, you know, and eventually it did become the main sport of the country, but it wasn't at one point. It, it just it wasn't. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do want to point out a little bit of news before we end tonight's show. It seems like Grupo Orlegi is looking to buy Real Zaragoza, fifty-one percent of oh. it, and. Uh, yeah. You know, they had interviewed, um, what's his name? The guy from uh, from Grupo Orlegi, and that was one of the goals was to get a European team. Yes. So, uh, you know, Real Zaragoza right now are in the second division, and they're in 18th position. So seems like uh seems like something that could realistically happen. That's always been their goal, Mihaime, and, and, I've, and I've said it before, I think uh... – I think they're going to abandon Santos. <laughs> but I think they're going to leave them in a good place, way better place than they were before. But I don't think they're going to, you know, they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. I do think they moved on to Atlas. And Atlas just is just being massive. And I think if Atlas can have that success as Santos, that's going to be their flagship team. And if they do manage to acquire Zaragoza, eventually that will become their team, you know. And I can see the other teams being feeder clubs where they bring in South Americans and other top Mexicans. And if those players are good, they could, you know, send them over to Zaragoza. And I do think, uh, I, I hope he's successful, man. Because it would, it would be good for... Uh, Mexican football. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that 
happens. Uh, fun fact, uh, Ronaldo owns Real Valladolid, uh, not, the Braz- not the Portuguese, but the, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Oh. Yeah. And El Fenomeno. El Fenomeno, yeah. He owns uh, Valladolid. I did not know that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, they do have a show about it on the zone. Are they in are they in first or second division? I don't <laughs> think they're they got relegated, so they're in the second division now. Okay. They've been they've been back and forth. Yeah, so you know, they it's pretty interesting, but you know, he's uh he's over there doing his thing and uh we don't we no longer have Nacho Ambris over there at Huesca, so but you know we we do have more and more Mexicans playing in in Liga La Liga. You know you have Tecatito Corona and you have um, uh, Orbelin Pineda who just joined uh, Nestor Araujo over there. So I I've always personally felt that more Mexicans should play in in Spanish league. It's an easier transition. They know the language. Um. So I mean I've always been a fan of that league. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, some players adapt. There's others like, um, what's the dude's name? Barrera, Aquino. Aquino, man, this guy just couldn't do it. Um, I think some dudes, I I do, because I agree with you. It should be the easy easy place to to adapt because of the language. But there's just some guys that just can't be away from home because they probably were never away from home and they just can't adapt to food or or different just missing their family or friends so mental aspect i guess it's at that point so like a mental thing for sure well well, we're about the hour and 30 minute mark do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up episode 322 Yes, yes. Good luck to Jimmy Lozano. I wish him well. Hope he does good at Necaxa. We need more Mexican coaches. So on that note, same. I hope Conso does good because I want to see. Again, there should be way more. There's like, what, two or three in Liga MX? That's a goddamn shame. Yeah. Um, I hope that Orlegi acquires a Spanish team and that they're successful because, again, that opens doors. Um, and I, that's what we want to see, you know, and I think, I hope, I hope JJ Mack has a good run because I think he just, he had a massive bad luck in his venture to Europe between his injury and whatnot. But I, I think he could be a good use to Chivas, you know, if he could, if he could just get to his old form between him and Alexis, I think they could. They could make shit happen. And uh, for for my America brethren, I, man, you guys are overreacting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take, take a show, bro. You need to be on the Chivas boat for a while. May, tr- try missing Ligia five times in a row. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but I think, I do think Solari, he's a decent coach. Uh, he's done a lot again. I think if you give him enough time, he'll, he'll have the team competing. But you can't just put all the blame on the coach. You have to also see the directiva and if you haven't been bringing in better players. You know, and, and we saw just recently how 
there was criticism on Santiago Baños, and that got shut down pretty quick. Oh yeah, right? they made they made these guys apologize, and one of them ended up quitting because you know it got it got punked. You know, you can't say what you feel. It was you know why why work there, and so but I do think uh, can't just blame the coach. Directiva is you know they're there to try to help the coach, and if they're not bringing in players that are going to fit his system, then you're just you're just you know handicapping him. So I do think I uh, have a bit more faith in that dude. <laughs> and that's that's it. Jaime? Yeah, it's been a great night. Um, we have Juarez and Chivas making up the, the match from Saturday tomorrow at 5 p.m. So we already have Liga Mekis going on. And then match week five will start on Friday with Mazatlan and Tijuana. So uh We've got plenty of plenty of football this weekend. I want to thank everyone for supporting us. And uh, let us know the trivia question for tonight. How many future or World Cup winners uh, have played in Liga Mekis? I'm actually curious to know myself. Uh, but thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>